This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. biggest trip of our season and then now you come into this trip and and it's true it is it's it's the biggest trip of uh, of our season Milan Lucic says this road trip is the biggest trip of the Flames season game two of five goes tonight from St. Louis welcome to Sportsnet today it's Logan Gordon along with you on this Tuesday Flames game day the Flames and the St. Louis Blues from St. Louis, the first of two straight in St. Louis tonight. Coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Cam and Taylor, our outstanding production team today. Personally, I can't wait for the next biggest road trip of the season. Well, right now this is the biggest one. So if you want to argue with Milan Lucic, you are more than welcome to. I would rather not. Cam's going to go fight Milan Lucic now. He scares Cam, me too much to fight him. He should. There Not going to happen. There are other people in this room that have gotten into it verbally with Milan Lucic on social media. They haven't got hurt. They've just got blocked. But that's a different that's a different story for a different day. Didn't vote him for the All-Star game. That must have been it. Uh, Milan Lucic and those Calgary Flames will be in action tonight. Six o'clock puck drop. 5 o'clock warm-up with Pat and Lou right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. And uh, we will chat uh, Flames and Blues in just moments here with Peter Labardius. Also this hour, uh, just a one-hour program for you today as we hand things off to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian. In about an hour's time, we'll uh, have our weekly check-in with Big Nazar from Sportsnet 650. Uh, chat some NFL playoff scenarios, see what's up with the uh, Vancouver Canucks in Vancouver uh, over the last couple of days. We'll get the latest from Bick. Uh, later on this hour, but we will kick things off like we always do. Head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Say hello to the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. Pete Labardius, he's brought to you by the Gemini Group. The Gemini Group Home Renovations knows that your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am excellent. How are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, we're getting set for the Flames and the Blues. And uh, Milan Lucic and the clip coming in there says, and it felt like the California trip was the most important trip for the Flames uh, before Christmas, and now it feels like this is the most important trip for the group. I, I have a hard time imagining you would disagree, Peter. I don't disagree. And the most difficult part is, Logan, there's still half a season left. Literally. Um, and every game for a long time this season has felt somewhat of a must. Maybe unlike any season that I can remember. Now, expectation, um, potential disappointment if this team was to not enter the playoffs, figuring into that greatly. But this is a really, really important trip in the sense that I know that Daryl Sutter's goal 
with every trip is to generally come home with more points than games played. It didn't start certainly exactly the way they wanted to in what looked on the schedule as potentially the easiest game on the trip. But there's nothing easy. There's been nothing easy for this team, who I believe, thanks to the other night, have now played in 25 one-goal games of the 41, and that doesn't even include others that don't end up technically as one-goal games. But it was an effort that lacked a good start. It was an effort in Chicago um, that did not feature good enough checking throughout the group. And despite St. Louis, especially on defense, being just ravaged, and even no O'Reilly and no Tarasenko, unless they're back tonight, and every lineup of I have seen does not include them. So, again, an opportunity, but understanding, you know, this is a team, despite all of that stuff, that went into Minnesota on Sunday and shut out the Wild 3 nothing. So they will have their hands full. It's never an easy place for most opponents to play. I know not unlike the Flames, the Blues have had a beyond roller coaster-like season. But it's really about this team. And they've been there more often than not in their play. It's getting back to their identity and sticking with it longer and certainly getting off to a better beginning. For the Calgary Flames heading into tonight, uh, reports out of St. Louis suggest that your expected starting goaltender will be once again Jacob Markstrom for the Flames. Jordan Binnington expected for St. Louis, and we're expecting just one roster change uh, in the lineup tonight, Lou, and that would be Redeem Zahorna out, and Walker Dewar expected to make his uh, season debut after being recalled from the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, Jacob Pelche skating as an extra with Redeem yesterday, so we're expecting Dewar with Ruzichka and Lewis. That would be the only lineup change for uh, Daryl's group tonight. And uh, I mentioned season debut. Walker did play in a game last year, but as you'll hear from uh, the now former Calgary Wrangler and current Calgary Flame, uh, last year didn't exactly feel the same, still dealing with some COVID issues that didn't let uh, friends and family go to see his NHL debut. That will be different for him tonight. Uh, he's excited to get a chance in the lineup. Yeah, last year for the debut was kind of COVID was still lingering around a bit in, in Canada, so um, no one was able to make it to that one. So when I heard I was going to go in, they were, I think it could have been anywhere in the States or anywhere, honestly, in the, in the NHL, and they probably would have tried to make their way there. So I'm excited that they can be here tonight. Lou Walker-Dewar makes his season debut tonight. He'll have plenty of friends and family who made long drives to St. Louis to see there. Uh, their friend and family member to uh, make his uh, season debut. What can Walker-Dewar bring to the Flames tonight? Uh, speed, some physicality, and good work. That's what he can bring. Uh, he's never going to be a big scorer, needless to say, um, but he... His, his two-way game for me, especially this year, has really improved in terms of its consistency and reliability at the American League level when I watched him. Um, in fact, he also ran off an unbelievable string of, 
of seven games in a row where he accumulated the majority of his 16 points in the 31 American League games that he has played. But from the first time I watched him, you know, he's he's a winger that can go up and down his side and really help you on the forecheck with his speed. And with all players who do not have any NHL experience, and he's got about, if I remember correctly, about seven and a half minutes of it so far in his life, it's, it's the work you do without the puck that will be the great determining factor as to whether you get to stay around a little while longer. So be a good, responsible player. Use your minutes effectively. And I'm not surprised there was a change because having after having a very effective game for that group, um, it was not a great night for Zohorna and Lewis and Ruzichka. And it really wasn't falling on Trevor's lap. Adam hasn't scored since December the 3rd. Uh, I don't believe he's got a point in five. And again, in that role, it's not really about scoring. It's about being trustworthy and being reliable enough where your line can still be trusted to go out and play. So that's what I'm looking for from him and that grouping. One topic we've touched on plenty of times this year, Lou, and Daryl was asked about it today uh, ahead of tonight's game against the Blues, has been shots on goal and shot volume for this Flames team. They've recorded 40 or more shots on goal in 13 games this year, Lou. They are 4-7-2 in those games. They are 9-2-3 when they record 30 or fewer shots. Uh, Eric Francis, who you just heard earlier this uh, this afternoon on the Eric Francis show, was uh, in St. Louis and talking to Daryl. He asked him the question about what Daryl thinks about the, the correlation between the, the records and the shots on goal and what's going on with that. It's a little bit of a longer clip, but I thought an important one to get some perspective on where Daryl Sutter is when it comes to this team's shot volume and their corresponding record. Volume of shots is really important. You don't have, you know, it's just a simple, you, know, you can use all that from a team standpoint and an individual standpoint all you want. When you don't have dominant players, then you have to take lots of shots. I mean, you want to just do it. If you take just any history in it, and I've been through it lots where you and you say, well, you're a shot volume team. Well, you're a shot volume team if you don't have a lot of star goal-scoring players, right? So if you take, for example, the Calgary Flames last year, the two players that were three players led the team in scoring, you look at their volume of shots and their quality of shots, right? Scored 40 goals. So there's players that scored 30 or 35, whatever it was. Well, they had a high shooting percentage. That's why they scored 35. Doesn't matter how many shots they took. Most of your high-quality shots come from me to the light right there. It's either on a breakaway, an odd man rush, or a rebound. So if that player's getting that shot, doesn't matter how many you got. Well, you could score three on 20 if one was a breakaway, one was an odd man rush, one was just me and the goalie. Yeah. Really, when they call high-danger shots, that's just what a high-danger shot is. Basically, it's the player and the goalie. When you look at it, it's not through a team. So that's what that means. 
comes to mind when you hear Daryl's answer there, Peter? Well, my favorite part of that answer was right at the end. What his definition is of a high danger shot. And that's way closer to my definition of a high danger shot. It is it is not necessarily something that comes from the home plate area. Um, you can have high danger shots from just outside of it. So, again, shot volume does matter. And it, it, it does matter for a team that when you have lots of shots, the corresponding part, Logan, is you have the puck a lot. That's always a good place to start. Um, but I think over the years that this team has not always created enough true high danger chances. So look at the game the other night. And, you know, we don't have access to the team numbers, but trust me when I tell you the team numbers, especially when I had a better feel for them when we were traveling and, you know, you get to spend more time even in, on bus rides with, with members of the coaching staff sometimes, what they have some nights for chances and what other forms of media have and, you know, websites have are not always the same. So this team's ability, again, to get to the inside more and create more that way is necessary. It is odd, for sure, to have the type of record they have when they have 40 or more. But, yes, in the game, as an example, in Chicago, they had way more shots. But I would make a pretty strong argument from – the eye test, and even I think the other night, natural stat trick, I think the total number was 11-10. Well, guess where the game ended up in overtime? Guess what the high danger, probably true high danger chances were at? Probably dead even. Mm-hmm. So that's, that. that is why I never will get caught up in things that start with expected and listen their analytics are great in terms of the backup plan for certain things but they're not the plan because how do you compare players that need two quality chances to score and other players who might need six or seven. I don't see a graphic for that. That one I'm going to buy into. Yeah. Yeah. No, now, we've... is there shooting percentage? Yes. But even for this team, who obviously doesn't have anybody right now at a 40-goal pace, and it gets thrown out there a lot about Matthew and Johnny being 40 goal scorers. Are they even really 40 goal guys? 
Yeah, for most of their career, they haven't been. But well, you're right. We still. It's all about the. It's all about the average for me, and Daryl has said that too. It's about the. It's it's when you set your expectation for players, especially veteran players, that expectation shouldn't be set on the lower part of the scale or the highest part. It needs to be set by the average and what's required. Flames game day. They're in St. Louis. First of uh, two games against the Blues this week in St. Louis. Uh, chatting with uh, the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. It is Peter Labardius. He joins the show every single day to kick off the program. And Lou, uh, on the other side of things tonight, the opponent, Craig Berube's group. Uh, we've seen the Blues before. They were in Calgary in the month of December. December 16th, it was a 5-2 Blues win. Uh, it won't stun you to hear this. The Flames outshot the Blues 43-24 to in that game. Uh, but the real story heading into this one is if you remember that game in December, and remember the group of Blues that were there, this is a much different looking team that you will see tonight. I count five players of significance, Lou, that were in that game in Calgary in December who will not play or are not expected to play for St. Louis tonight. That includes Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, Nick Letty, Robert Bortuzzo, and Tori Krug. Absolutely. And you know how I feel about when your defense gets ravaged. Now with Bortuzzo, look at that group. Oh, it's it's Steve completely San- different. Steve Santini set to play tonight, and that's... Not that he's a bad player, but a 27-year-old former second-round pick of the Devils that is by and large been very much a journeyman guy. Tyler Tucker. Scandella. Tyler Tucker. Yeah, there's a lot of people would need to phone the FBI to know the <laughs> Tyler Tucker story. The seventh-rounder from um, Barry. From Barry, who had two really good seasons. Barry and the next year. Uh, combined when he got moved to Flint in in the 59 and then 56-point neighborhood, if memory serves me correctly. Um, but, yeah, it's it's very different, and it's very different back there. But despite that, like I've already mentioned, when the Blues play to their identity and they're still, you know, feature good weapons – Still, you know, two lines up front, maybe even three that are okay. But what it really means, Logan, is, and it did not happen for me enough in the game outside of one period, you have got to put duress on that group. Your four-check game, your ability to get pucks in behind people, uh it always needs to be in play, but do not make it easier than it needs to be on that group. Your D, you know, I don't know what Patty for sure, and I play a role in it, but um, laying out our pregame show for sure, a big role in it, in fact. But if you're looking for a marquee matchup tonight, Calgary 6 will need to outplay St. Louis's 6 just to begin with tonight. 
Yeah, it's a great starting point for this team. And uh, look, there's just you and me have talked about it at different times, whether it was talking about the Washington Capitals when the Flames took that team on. You have to, it's just the way the way the NHL works, Lou. No team can, you know, fully survive the kind of regulars that this team has lost. You have to take advantage of that separation in talent and sometimes in experience. And you're right. I think that'll be a very key point for, for this group tonight for Calgary is you've got a lot of inexperienced young guys back there, really two guys that have long-term NHL careers behind them in Falk and Pareko make life difficult for them. Make, you know, uh, spend a lot of time in their zone, check well against a young group. And I think you can cause, you know, younger guys like that when you check well, Lou, into defensive mistakes that lead to opportunities. Well, you know that Pareko and Falk, who both average almost 24 minutes a night, even with Bortuzzo out, you're probably going to see those minutes for those two guys go up. But you've got to make their life difficult. And you've got to lean on them, and you've got to make the St. Louis Blues spend a lot of time in their zone because they still have lots of people that can hurt you if you don't. Because even when you didn't check the Chicago Blackhawks very well, you got hurt. And in the game against Chicago, while, yes, the subject has been coming out of it, you didn't score enough. No, no, you didn't check well enough. You can't give Chicago four. We'll see that how th- was a problem. Yeah, and we'll see how they uh, go about their business tonight and see if that uh, has improved from Sunday. Lou, uh, enjoy the time uh, this afternoon. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow and break this one down. Have a great call tonight, sir, and we'll uh, we'll chat with you later on. Thank you kindly. Take care. Pete Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He kicks off Sportsnet today every single day. Uh, he's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Make sure you give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at the GeminiGroup.ca. On the other side, our weekly check-in with Vic Nazar from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Chatting some NFL playoffs, and we'll look ahead to uh, what's coming up with the Vancouver Canucks. That's next. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on this Tuesday Flames game day. Cam and Taylor in the other room. It is a Tuesday, which means uh, time for our regular chat uh, with Bick Nazar from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. We do that down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. A lot to get to with Bick today. We talk some NFL football. It's a Canucks game day as well. Uh, Bick, good afternoon, man. How are you? Well, what's going on, man? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Hope you got some uh, some time off to enjoy with friends and family, man. Good to have you back on the program. Absolutely. Although I should say, the, the, there's a Larry David joke of that you can't say Happy New Year after like January 7th, right? So I might have screwed up already. That's okay. We'll, we'll let it go this time. <laughs> next time, 
Man, maybe not as much. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit of Canucks with you in a bit here, but wanted to start with uh, the Seahawks. Uh, obviously, the team closest geographically out there. I know a lot of people out in BC follow them. And uh, honestly, I, this is uh, the classic sports radio question to it. But I'm genuinely curious as someone that follows that team as closely as you do, Bick. Would you, beginning of the season, have ever imagined a spot where the Seahawks were in the playoffs and Russell Wilson and the Broncos were not? Uh, no, not even close. Uh, and. I'm actually like a, a big fan of Pete Carroll. Uh, I, I think like the way you build a philosophy and a culture, and, and that's kind of what they did. They, they found it easier to replace talent than readjust their philosophy. And so they move off Russell Wilson. And even an optimistic version of someone like me and looking at Pete Carroll, I was like, you know, five, six wins is kind of nice. And they end up with nine, and they're going to the playoffs. Like I, I, I could have seen Denver missing easily. And look, it's the AFC West and Kansas City and the Chargers are fantastic. And it's, look, first-time head coach Nathaniel Hackett. You, you never know how that's going to work with Russ, you know, moving in and, and trying to interact with the first-time head coach. And it's one thing when Brady chose Bruce Arians and Stafford chose Sean McVay. They had tried into records. You never knew that was going to go. But I never saw a scenario where it completely flipped and Seattle winds up playing in the second season and Denver doesn't. I know the the initial line has the San Francisco 49ers heavily favored. I think they're the biggest favorite of the weekend outside of the Bills and Dolphins game. But I've been saying this since we got the playoff matchups confirmed to a couple people around me, Bick, and I'd be curious if you agreed or not. I kind of think the Seahawks are in a, a dangerous spot. Uh, it's a division opponent. We know the, the old NFL adage, how hard it is to beat a team three times in a season. You obviously know San Francisco very well. It's a rookie quarterback, potentially, and Brock Purdy getting the start. Seattle has to kind of look at this and say, We've got nothing to lose. We can put everything out on the table in this game because no one thought we'd be here. We're here. We're playing a divisional opponent. And guess what? Even if we lose, we have a top five pick and a great NFL prospect coming our way thanks to the trade that we made with Denver. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a pie-in-the-sky version of it. I'm highly skeptical that they're going to be able to pull this off. And, and I know the, the, the classic phrase, again, is especially in divisional games, I think it's something like, 12 and five uh, since the seventies um, that, that the, the team that has swept the season has gone on to win the third one as well. It's tough. Don't get me wrong. And I, I think since 2000 against the spread, if you're looking for a betting angle, the favorite is only like two and seven. So maybe that's why it's difficult, but it's still plausible uh, that San Francisco wipes uh, Seattle uh, on Sunday, because the thing is, I think the best unit, the, the best side of the football in the league this year was Kansas City's offense. So they lose Tyreek Hill, and, and, and they don't slow down at all. But the second best unit this season was probably the 49ers' defense. And I, I, I just don't know how the, the Seahawks are going to overcome that. Uh, they, they play smash mouth football, and they, they whoop you for 60 minutes. And I know Adam Schefter has tweeted this out, that every week the 49ers' opponent the following week has lost uh, just because you get so beat up playing the 49ers. Uh, I, I look at this and I say, if, I, if I'm choosing the side, I'm probably leaning towards San Francisco. Fair enough. Uh, six games uh, over three days now for NFL wildcard weekend. Uh, what game aside from the Seahawks and the 49ers most catches your eye, Bick? Uh, I, I think Chargers Jaguars, oddly enough, uh, just because it's two emerging superstar quarterbacks. I think, 
we're going to get a new hierarchy in the NFL. You know, for so long it was Brady, Rodgers, Manning, Breeze, and, and those were your big four. Uh, you can throw the odd one in there to, to round with the top five. But now we're in the spot where it's Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrows kind of making that group as well. And then the next wave is going to be Justin Herbert and now Trevor Lawrence. And these two guys put them on a primetime stage Saturday night. Uh, everyone's going to be keeping an eye on the two QBs with some long hair and uh, see what they can do and, and, and just duke it out because that's what the NFL needs. It, it needs this new injection of QB talent and kind of went through a dry spell there. And, and here we are now. I haven't asked you this since we've started doing these hits, but I'm curious how you see the Ravens situation with Lamar Jackson working out because the first thing that I saw everybody talk about when they signed Roquan Smith to this extension over the last 24 hours was that's another slap in the face to Lamar Jackson, another guy that they're willing to pay that isn't the quarterback. Are you in the same realm there? Has Baltimore in some way, shape, or form, shunned their star quarterback by refusing to pay up for what he's given them so far? Uh, yes and no. Uh, again, it's a little bit odd that they take a guy that they traded for this year and, and pay him in front of Lamar Jackson. But I would say allowing signing that deal gives them the opportunity still to franchise tag Lamar Jackson. And that's not fair. I get it. The franchise tag uh, has its issues. But at least this gives them the fail-safe of, hey, even if we negotiate with Lamar and we can't get to an agreement of what he wants and it seems like a fully guaranteed contract that's been handed out to Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Watson, that might be what he wants. It, at least they've provided themselves with a safety net to try to negotiate and still retain him. The thing is, it's, it's long-term money that really kind of moves this. And until they get to that stage, uh, this just might be uh, two, two sides just kind of going loggerheads at each other. But uh, I can understand why they gave Roquan Smith the money before Lamar Jackson. You just gave up draft capital to get him, uh, lock in your guy, and it, it, it gives you more flexibility than having to play this out for, for months into the offseason. Uh, how are we feeling about the Bills heading into Sunday? I love their chances against the Dolphins in Buffalo. That's the biggest spread that I've seen. I've got the Bills favored by 11 at the screen I'm looking at right now. Uh, obviously, DeMar Hamlin news has been great the last 24, 48 hours. He's back in Buffalo, still undergoing more tests. And now that that's kind of taken a, a bit of a, a turn for the positive, I, I wonder how much motivation goes into you know a sort of win for DeMar mindset that the Bills are going to take into the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's impossible to quantify, you know, what a force multiplier that could be for that team. Just 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 an emotional lightning rod and uh, what that does for for players' focuses and and motivation. I was a little concerned about the Bills, you know, from like week eleven onwards. Uh, you know, a, a tough game against Cleveland back then, and they squeak one out against Buffalo. And I know this, you know, snowstorms play a role in this, but they they had started to show some signs of slippage. And then they, they come out and smash the, the Bears, and obviously they, they did what they did against the Patriots. So they, they finished the season strong, obviously, with a bunch of wins. This week, I'm not concerned about them. I, I think they'll handle Miami. But I do look like the, that the Ravens, or the, sorry, the Bengals game that was canceled, it was, it was such an exciting moment because you got to see you know, them going against the AFC best. I kind of have the Bengals as the second-best team in the conference uh, as, you know, behind the Chiefs. Uh, we'll see what happens here moving forward, but I, I really like this Bengals team. I know they've picked up a few injuries on the defense, but they're just so sound. They're so smart. They're so well coached. And then you throw in uh, some superstars like Jamar Chase and 
uh, Joe Burrow, the way he's playing, they, they, they just look constantly cerebral uh, on the field. And I, you know, with the, with the Vaughn Miller injury, I, I just kind of feel like the bills have lost a little bit of juice and I don't know if we're going to see that ceiling from them this year. Uh, quickly, before we, we chat a bit of Canucks, before we let you go this afternoon, are you betting against Tom Brady in the postseason against uh, the Dallas Cowboys on Monday? No, I actually kind of think this is a terrible matchup for the Cowboys. Uh, you know, we've seen them go against the uh, Bucks uh, a few seasons in a row, and I just think the way the defense matches up against the Cowboys, the Bucks defense against the Cowboys offense, it's kind of a match made in hell for if you're Dallas. And it's, I, I'm a big Dak Prescott fan, but I can't ignore that he's throwing interceptions and, and the team itself, you know, not all of them are his fault, but like when the receivers are dropping passes into the path of defensive backs and, and, and defensive players, that's an issue as well. So they just play a little sloppy and, and come playoff time. Like you have to play clean football. And I trust Tom Brady to be the guy that plays cleaner football than you. If, if they give Tampa Bay some short fields, even if their, their offense has struggled, this year, the last thing you want to do is give Tom Brady multiple opportunities to score touchdowns. So I'm looking at the the Buck side of this game. And of course, uh, while we have you, you're obviously involved with uh, the Canucks and Sportsnet 650 and the post game show and everything you guys do over there. So I've got to ask you: it's uh, a Canucks game day. They're in game two of a five game road trip. Didn't exactly start off well on Sunday. A seven four loss to the Winnipeg Jets, and now a very tough stretch in these next four games that starts in Pittsburgh tonight. And one thing that I didn't realize until heading into this one, Bick, is actually how bad the Canucks have been against Eastern Conference opponents this year. Just a 4-11-1 record and 13-7-2 against the West. They've been much better against Western Conference opponents than Eastern. That's something they'll need to change if they want to walk out of this road trip with a winning record. Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was a thing that a lot of Canucks fans were holding on to in – uh, November when they played a, a lengthy uh, Eastern trip and, and mostly played Eastern Conference opponents. It's like, well, you know, there's still three one-and-one one against Pacific Division opponents, and they can get better. And then they came home, and look, they, they beat Colorado, or they beat Vegas, they beat San Jose, and they beat some local teams. And then as the season's continued, it, it just hasn't improved, mm-hmm. and they've really struggled uh, against Eastern opponents as you detailed in this road trip. Like, this is the road trip a lot of people have been waiting for. And even you can go back to late December, this, the stretch where it was going to be Winnipeg, Calgary, the Islanders, Avalanche, uh, the Jets again on the road. Uh, and this is going to extend for seven more games. Pittsburgh tonight, Tampa on Thursday, Florida, Carolina, Tampa, Colorado, Edmonton. Uh, those last three when they come home, that's a 12-game stretch, which was really going to define their season, especially considering where the tipping point that they were. If you have success on this on this run of games, and by success, I mean not even 500. They really had to go uh, 18 of 24 points to, to kind of push themselves back into conversation. But here they are halfway through this, and they're one in four. And two points out of a possible uh, 10 so far. I, I'm hard-pressed to see them getting even to – eight or 10 points right now through this 12 game run here. And it's, it's going to push them further down into the draft lottery and accelerate the conversations of what these next uh, six weeks are going to look like as they try to navigate what the next era of the Vancouver Canucks are after uh, Bo Horvat. Yeah. And that's exactly where I wanted to go with you next is I can't help but wonder as I look at it, 
Pittsburgh tonight, Tampa, Florida, Carolina, Tampa again at home, Colorado at home, Edmonton at home, all in the next uh, you know two weeks here, already sitting six points out uh, of a wild card spot. Uh, more than that, sorry, from a wild card spot, six points out of a team ahead of them in the wild card chase in St. Louis. They're even further back in that uh, spot that Edmonton holds right now. If, if this goes poorly and it's gone sort of the way that we've seen it with some of these high-scoring games, Vic, do you think you you could see management making that decision and saying, hey, look, we don't have to wait till the trade deadline to say where we are as a team right now. Let's get a, a head start on this and see where we go, whether it is Horvat whether it is Shen or, or whoever's on that list. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've been talking here locally of, of what the right time is to pull this off. And obviously there's going to be a top prospects game uh, later on in Vancouver uh, at, on the 25th. So a lot of personnel going to be in town and then throw in the all-star break uh, early in February. Again, if, if you're Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, you probably want to get ahead of this. But again, I made the argument that every day that goes by, from a financial point of view, Bo Horvath's uh, value increases because more and more teams are going to be able to take on that contract. And what drives up prices, right? More and more bidders. And every day that goes by, uh, you get closer and closer to uh, the, the March 3rd and the opportunity to 50% retain that contract, which comes out to about $600,000, I think, uh, by the end of uh, the, the, the trading period. And so, for teams across the league that are just clawing to accrue any semblance of cap space right now, you get to middle of February, you know, does Dallas finally have enough cap space? Uh, Calgary, are they looking for a center? Colorado needs to just hold this out as long as possible, unless the, the situation changes with Gabriel Landeskog, where he's not coming back at all during the regular season. Unless teams have the money on LTIR and, and they don't intend to clear some guys out, uh, that's the biggest hurdle. And, I look at kind of mid-February probably being the right point, too, because at some point you get to a stage where you can say, okay, we made it far enough, but we're going to shut you down. You're too valuable for us to do this. And you're only going to miss, you know, three, four games. Because if you shut them down now just to protect yourself, and, you know, if you took a cross-check last game and kind of winced off on his way to the bench, and we're getting text messages into the inbox, so like, classic Canucks luck, the guy you're trying to trade <laughs> is the one that skates off injured. And, and so, the, you know, like, that's the risk that they're playing here. Yeah. Uh, I, I just kind of look at it and say, uh, you know, mid-February is, is when things really start to intensify, uh, just because from a financial point of view, it makes the most sense, and it continues uh, to increase his trade value just from a financial point of view. Whereas he's, he's holding up his end of the bargain, too. Where he's scoring goals, and I think a certain price is probably locked in for him now. Uh, we'll be watching certs, uh, the road trip continues, I should say, for Vancouver tonight. Uh, they're into Pittsburgh. Bick, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for uh, checking in with us on a game day. Uh, you've got a show to do, but uh, thanks again for the time. We'll chat with you next week, hey? Appreciate it. Take care. Bick Nazar from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Canucks post game with Sat Shaw, also the host of the People's Show on our sister station in Vancouver. Canucks and Penguins, part of a busy NHL schedule uh, today, which includes, of course, the Calgary Flames and the St. Louis Blues. Second meeting this season between the Flames and the Blues. They'll do it again on Thursday. And uh, as we get set for that game tonight, uh, a couple of clips I wanted to play for you, including uh, Walker Dewar, who spoke to the media earlier today. Uh, he's getting set for his season debut. We're expecting Walker to be on a fourth line with Adam Ruzicka and Trevor Lewis. That would mean Redeem Zahorna out 
Jacob Markstrom expected in goal for the Flames. St. Louis to counter with Jordan Binnington. Played in just one game last year as a member of the Calgary Flames, and because of COVID restrictions and everything that were still going on, his friends and family not able to witness his NHL debut. That'll be different tonight. Uh, They'll be in attendance in St. Louis, ready to watch Walker in his second NHL game. He's excited for that. He's excited for the opportunity. He spoke to the media in St. Louis ahead of tonight's game. fact that you try and play a similar system you know in the AHL uh, you know right from uh, kind of training camp on I mean how much does that help even just the style of play and just knowing the expectations too yeah the coaching staff down with their anglers does a great job just um, kind of emulating the same systems and preaching the same terminology that they use up here so it's pretty seamless transition you know go over a little bit of stuff that they do different here a little bit but uh, yeah for the most part pretty easy transition and a little bit of family coming in too. I understand. I mean, how special is that to you know, have some some people in the uh, in the crowd here tonight that, that mean a lot to you in the journey? Yeah, last year for the debut was kind of COVID was still lingering around a bit in in Canada, so um, no one was able to make it to that one. So when I heard I was going to go in, they were. I think it could have been anywhere in the states or anywhere, honestly, in the in the NHL, and they probably would have tried to make their way there. So I'm excited that they can be here tonight. Yeah, a couple of couple of miles on the in the car, no big deal. Yeah, yeah nothing. Like yeah, nothing. They're not used to. My parents been lugging me around since I was a kid, so they're good. Is there is there an element though of that the, the appreciation in terms of just what they you know those hours, the driving, and exactly what you just talked about, kind of the you know the sacrifice that the family makes due to to allow you to play in the NHL? Yeah, um, my parents have made. Uh, more sacrifices and probably a lot uh, to get me here. So uh, for them to be here tonight and for them to experience that tonight will be, uh, I'm sure, something that they'll remember forever. Uh, back home in uh, South Dakota. They are coming straight in a car? Yep, driving up. They drove about halfway last night. I think they finished the drive this morning. So I think they're probably getting here right about now. And it's not just them. It's a whole cast of other people. Uh, yeah, my fiance and then uh, my brother and his wife. Um uh, my fiance's parents and then my uh, billet parents. So, uh, yeah, we got a good crew coming tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a do-over, right? Because last year they couldn't do this, and now they finally get a chance to – they'll just pretend it's your debut. Yeah, for them probably it is uh, more my debut in their eyes because they didn't get to be there in person. So uh, won't have the sole lap or anything for that from the experience, but um, I think they'll be happy with me just being out on the ice in the NHL. There you go, Walker Dewar, recalled from the Calgary Wranglers, will make his season debut tonight. 31 games with the Wranglers this year. He's got 16 points, 10 of them goals, 20 penalty minutes on the season. He's expected on the line with Trevor Lewis and Adam Ruzichka tonight. A quick look at the opposition tonight, the St. Louis Blues, dealing with some massive injuries. No Bortuzzo, no Letty expected in their lineup tonight. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, Craig Berube's uh, going to you know, just pass this one off to the Calgary Flames. He knows it's going to be a challenge against Daryl Sutter's crew. Uh, he spoke to the media earlier today as his team gets set to take on the Flames in the next two games. Greg, uh, two games in a row with Calgary. Uh, what, what do you see from them? What do you expect? What's the challenge plan? I guess they're getting caught through that. Uh... Yeah, they're they're a good team. We all know that. I mean, we we uh, we went into Calgary earlier a while back, and and we got a win there, but. Um, we're going to see a better team than that than we saw then. Then, um, you know the couple. You know the trades they made. Those guys are playing better now. Um, they got Tanev back, um, so they they were missing him when we played him. 
They're they're a solid team. I mean, it's you gotta you gotta play good in all three zones against them. You know what you're gonna get from them. They're gonna be a hard checking team. Um, they're gonna come hard in the four check. And again, they got some pretty high end players that can make you pay offensively if you don't check them properly. Um, so you know we're gonna have to play a solid game. These are key. These are key games for you. Do you do you talk to the team about that or no? Uh, well, I think they're all key games, no matter what. Like, I don't, ex I don't think these are any more key than the ones we just played. <laughs> I mean, they're all important points, yeah, right? Like, yeah, no, they are. I agree. Uh, you know, Mini was right there ahead of us too when we beat them at home in their rink. But you're right, Calgary's three points ahead of us. Yeah, we can, we can, we can leapfrog them, frog them here, maybe with two wins. But listen, we just let's just focus on. A good start here tonight, being on our toes, ready to ready to really be competitive because that's a competitive team over there. They're going to work. They're a hard-working team, so we got to match the work ethic. We got to be highly competitive, and like I said, we got to be good in all three zones tonight. What's led to Brandon Saad, his recent offense, and what kind of difference does he make for your team when he scores goals? He's ten feet around the net, scores all his goals there. He's using his speed. He's got good speed. He's got good one-on-one -on -one ability, and that's what he's doing. He's challenging, challenging D one-on-one, -on -one and um, creating some space with that behind him. And then, again, most of his goals are ten feet in around the net. You know, the power play goal the other night. I just on the top of my head, a couple other goals. He's right around the net, and that's where he scores his goals. So he's doing a good job of using his speed, challenging D one-on-one, -on -one, but. You know, for me, you know, he's getting to the net, and that line's got some real good chemistry right now too, which helps. You know, they're they're really working well together. What about your fourth line, now, Chief? Have you found more confidence with the way they're handling the puck and getting into the forecheck? They've been very very good. Um, obviously, they were our best line in Montreal. A couple goals they got just from hard work and 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 hounding and forechecking, and uh, so they've been doing a good job and. You know, they've been rewarded with ice time for it. With Saad, were there signs in his game before this streak that you saw that? Yeah, there was. I didn't think he started off overly well uh, this beginning of the season, but there was a point, I don't know what game it was, where he was really coming along and doing the things that we saw last year for the most, most, most of the year. How are Letty and Bortuzzo progressing? Um, no real change. I don't. I don't even know when they're going to be back. No clue. What? Uh, what can you tell us about Samorakov? What have you heard about him from down there? Uh, he like just pretty much of a stay-home D-man type. Pretty simple player. Uh, he's playing pretty well down there right now. So he didn't start off well, but he's um, gotten his confidence and and he's more comfortable and playing a pretty good game right now. But just pretty much a stay-home D-man. You know, first pass guy. You uh, you played uh, uh, Tucker with uh, Falk a little bit in that good game there. Did you like uh, the, the Kevin? Yeah. Out well, I like to get Tucker out against heavy lines. Um, we used them a lot against Erickson X line. It's a heavy line, so um, much as possible, I wanted Tucker with Falk for that matchup. Um, I thought Tux did a good job. He was physical. He didn't shy away from those those big boys. He was hard on him. He was physical. I thought his puck movement was good, and um, he had really good gaps in the game. He said he 
doesn't try to play out of his element. Is that what you've seen? Yeah, I think so for sure. He's like he's got a pretty good hockey IQ. That's you know one thing I take away from him. He's he's um, you know he plays a physical style of hockey and you know simple, but he's got a he's got a good hockey IQ. Reads the play well and he knows what he is, and that's that's important. You know what you are. You don't go out of your out of your limits, you you stay in them limits and don't try to do too much. And he's pretty he's smart that way. Keeper, you happy with what you got from Pareko uh, on this trip? I and mean, what are you? Yeah, you yeah. Him no, I don't think. But you know, I think he's just got to stay in his game too. Like he's logging a lot of minutes right now. Um, you know, he's skating for me. He's skating. He's on the power play now. Using a shot. Used the shot last game. We got a rebound out of it. It's a hard shot to handle. Um, he's got to hit the net on these shots, but um, for me, that's his game, you know. And then just you know, he's got to do a good job defending, and he's, we've been getting that from him. Blues head coach Craig Berube talking ahead of tonight's matchup against the Calgary Flames. Flames and Blues go at six o'clock tonight. Flames warm up with Lou and Steinberg goes at five o'clock. Don't want to miss it. Expecting a season debut for Walker Dewar. Jacob Markstrom expected in net for the Calgary Flames. That'll do it for Sportsnet today. Thank you to Bick Nazar and Peter Labardius. Thank you for listening. Reminder, you can get all of our shows wherever you get your podcast: Google, Spotify, Amazon, etc. Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960. The wonderful, talented Haley Salvian's got Hockey Central 960 coming up next here on Sportsnet 960. The fan.